0: Well, shit to bed, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Conversation with Shelby Green. I am the host, the main man, Shelby Green. And today we have a lot to talk about on the show. As I'm running down the listings, we got a couple. We got a birthday to talk about. We got some Louisville updates on sports. We got a little WWE. I'm uh, oh, sorry. We got a little, uh, how can you say? We got some Louisville anniversaries to talk about. We got some Lamar Jackson drama. We got a little AEW drama. And we got a certain birthday to talk about, like always. But anyway, it's a first off, swig of water for the working man. Here, the water in the water bottle. And that's what I'm... Doing. So, first off, I want to appreciate everybody hitting me back with the feedback on, um... Last week's show coming on on Monday people I have gotten some messages that you should drop a show on Monday It doesn't work that way with my schedule So that's why Wednesdays right now are the perfect opportunity for that Um, However, maybe once in a while I'll throw a bonus Monday episode in every once in a while But Friday bonus episode hit well as well Uh, Did the same amount of downloads for both shows this week So last week, excuse me, is the last time I checked last night So that makes me feel pretty good Um, Getting really close to 350 downloads on this show Getting closer and closer to 500, guys. I'm really appreciate your guys' efforts with this and the promotion and all you guys have done for me. Really appreciate it. the Instagram account is blowing up as well. Obviously, we've got um, well obviously the Facebook account is they're really doing really well too. I'm back on Twitter at It Happened 2013. Follow me there for more podcast updates as well. Basically, this is going to be dropping on your regular Wednesday uh, scheduling at 9 a.m. like it always does. And we're gonna rock and roll. We'll kick this thing off. First off. I want to give a special shout-out to Louisville's 2022-2023 women's basketball team, head coach Jeff Walls. And I am going to let you guys know right here, right now, I have never been more happy with a coaching job of Jeff Walls of, of what he did. Jeff Walls did a hell of a job with um, just getting just what he had to, He he went with, man. Um, if anybody knows, kind of Louisville was in the limbo earlier this year. A lot of people were obviously, you know, a lot of people at Louisville had some injuries early on, lost people to the transfer portal. They had to rely on a lot of people coming into the transfer portal as well. Um, Really didn't play well down the stretch, but got hot at the right time, made a little bit of a run in the ACC tournament, and then they turned around and, uh, you know, got hot. And once the big games, you know, they had the Texas controversy where, you know Haley Van Flint, the, who is an All-American in my opinion, leading the charge for the Louisville Cardinals. They just and they took on, they came into the Elite Eight, a game away from the Final Four, five straight Elite Eights by head coach Jeff Walls. Just amazing, amazing, amazing um, feat what he he has done. I mean, I thought when I saw them lose, when they they, I think they had a stretch, I can't remember what it was, but they were going to the ACC tournament. And I just thought, man, you know, Jeff, you'll get to the tournament, man. I think you'll win a couple games in the tournament. But you might be going home the first weekend. And they got high at the right time, and they proved me wrong. And they got to the lead eight. So, a hell of a job. Um, I want to run down some. Iowa, first off, Good uh, congratulations to Iowa getting the win. I think they, they're going home, though. they got to play South Carolina in the final four. Bless your hearts. Um, Caitlin Clark is a bad girl, man. That girl can play. I mean, she dropped 41, 10, and 12 on us. 8-14 from 3, 11-13 from free throw line, 11-19 from the field. So, I mean, she could play. But also, she's set up in a good situation, you know, um, they got a good crew. She's got good, solid foundation of players around her that can stretch the perimeter. They got a good big inside, whatever. And if you look at look at the box scores right now, you know, Haley Van Flan, 8-19, 3-9 from 3, 8-10 from the field, 27 points. She played well. Had five turnovers, but whatever. Makaya Robinson. You know, 5 of 13. She is going to be missed. Makassa uh, Robinson, excuse me. I apologize. I butchered her name. But 10, 6 and 5. She didn't shoot well, but she played her, asses. She played her ass off. She's going to be solely missed, man. The last four or five years watching her in a Louisville women's uniform has been a blessing. She's a hell of a player, man. I hope she makes it, helps she succeeds in where she goes. Uh, Chris Dillon Carr shot well. Didn't get a lot of looks. Olivia Crossham played really well. Had 20 and 14. But I really feel, in my opinion, that Louisville was maybe one or two women away from this year for making a run. I feel like, I think Morgan Jones is the next big star for them. I think she is going to break out eventually. I think she has a lot of potential to uh, do a lot of things for Louisville. I think Haley Van Flant does come back next year as a senior. I don't think she's going to go pro like the rumor is about her. I think they're in a prime position, you know. I, I'm not sure what they have in the recruiting wise. I I haven't looked it up for me. I can look it up right now, but I do believe that with with the right pieces around them, like this, I, I did, like I was trying to allude to. Literally, th- this past season, like if you really look at it, um, if you look at it. Uh, Excuse me. You look at like they have literally like this is Jeff Wall's best job, what he has done, and as a coach, I mean his girls play hard for him. I mean he does a hell of a job, and I really believe that this is the you know the opportunity that to look at and give Jeff Walls his flowers. He's probably the best coach in the country, including for women's basketball that does not have. A national championship now that being said he's gonna lose a couple players he'll bring some gar- girls in from the portal i really believe that they are a shooter away and a mobile big away from really being there with the crew they have now and i just think that it's gonna happen eventually so they're gonna catch their break but it just seems like every time louisville makes a run you know UConn was the problem. Now it's South Carolina. They beat Baylor. I mean, they, they and like, like the other night, it took a girl to get 41, 10, and 11 to beat him the other night. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sour about it, man. It was a hell of a game. Iowa played well. But also, I want to make this real clear to some little fans on Twitter the other night. They were bitching about... Some were uh, constantly talking about how, well, man, you know, uh, ESPN's just disrespecting Louisville, not giving us any credit. Well, you know, Caleb Clark's one of the best, it's probably the best player in college basketball. Guys, they're gonna promote her. ESPN's always been that way. ESPN loves chasing clout. They do that. I mean, look at what they've done, with LeBron James, for the last fifteen years. They chase clout. They've always done this. I don't understand. going to so take a drink real quick. I don't understand why you guys are getting so upset that you don't expect that. Haley Van Flan is one is a, is an all-American in my opinion. And, you know, I think she's I don't you can't name five, six you cannot tell me five better players than Haley Van Flan Lynn in college basketball. You can't. You take Haley Van Lint off this Louisville team, Louisville will finish 500. She is that damn important. You know, I'm a fan of the girl, man. She's a bad girl, man. She plays hard. She's feisty. She's got energy. She ain't scared of the limelight. <laughs> she can play on my team any day of the week. And by the way. I want to question you the little fans out there. Do you think it's okay if we start retiring retire women's numbers, even if they have the same number as the men do that may be retired, like a Wes Unsell, Dale Griffin, or Russ Smith? Do you think it's okay that it would be a good idea if we can do that, keep them separate, though, in a way? Like, you know, Angel Carthy's number's retired, I believe, at 35. But, you know, if somebody like, a, like you know, Haney Van Flint, I think her number would be retired. Asia Durr might be retired one day. I just want to throw that out there to you guys what you think about that just a heads up. Anyway, so congratulations to Iowa making the final four. Congratulations to the Louisville women's basketball team on another five straight lead eights, man. Jeff Walls, he's, you know, this is probably his best coaching job. These girls played hard, and it is what it is, man. I mean, ain't nothing to hang your head on, guys. Girls, you guys played your girls played your asses off. Go Cards, Lady Burns. So, moving on now to the next big main event topic. We're talking about the Louisville's men's basketball program. This is going to be a little longer than what I usually talk about. I take that back. I always talk about Louisville. What am I talking about? So we got a couple of anniversaries to talk about. But first off, let's talk about the portal news with Kenny Payne. So a lot of things in the portal. And I'm going to go to my main website, BigRedLouis.com, where I always go to because they always put the new stuff out. Now there's been a lot, first off, I want to talk about Jalen Shelley, the four-star recruit. As I said last week, a four-star recruit out of Dallas, Texas, when I revisit, it. I'm going to pull the article up real quick. And here's Cameron Freight posted this article 22 hours ago. So it on a this is a Tuesday evening or Tuesday late afternoon, 5 16 p.m. here in Indianapolis, Indiana. So obviously, this was 22 hours ago. So this was put on Monday. Cameron Freight post put, uh posts article as I read. And here I go. Four star, four star small forward Jalen Shelley of Preston Wood Christian Academy in Plano, Texas. Just finished up his, his official visit to the University of Louisville this past weekend. Headed to the visit. One through recruiting prediction machine has him committed to the Cardinals over any other program. Currently, he has a 48.5% chance to pick the University of Louisville and head coach Penny, Kenny Payne over any program. Jalen then shows, and now his official visit has concluded. It seems like things continue to move in the right direction. Had a great experience at the Ville. Hashtag go-cards. Hashtag not committed. It's Jalen Shelley on his Twitter picture, flexing. So... Last season, as a member of Preston Wood Christian Academy Lions, he helped lead the team to a 26 and 6 record in a trip to the TAP State Basketball Tournament. A once raw lean forward potential slogan to a quality player who is capable of playing the Division I. There's immense natural talent, and he's clearly turning the corner from a prospect to a player. According to 24 7's Composite reigns, Jalen Shelley is a four star prospect and a top 55 player in the class of 2024, and would be a huge addition to the 2024 recruiting class for Kenny Payne, as TJ Robinson remains lone commitment at the moment. I'm a big TJ Robinson fan, man. I think he's going to rise in the rankings this senior year. When asked about the direction head coach Kenny Payne talking taking the program, he said, I really like hearing what he has planned and the direction they are headed in. There is a lot to like. I like what they are trying to do. So right there, he says, Kenny Kenny Payne has been forefront and upfront with what he wants to do with the program. We're going to talk about the roster here in a minute, but once again, it, I mean, we gotta let Kenny Payne work, and I've been saying this for the last two years. Actually, last year, excuse me, twelve months. I've been saying it. we gotta let Kenny Payne work. We gotta go over the NCAA cloud. We gotta let this. Gotta let this happen. Last year was hard to get through. I know, but man, let's just you know, let's see what we can do. He is still very uncommitted at this point, but with the waves that Louisville basketball program has been making recently, recently in the recruiting landscape, it definitely makes the program more attractive to the prospects, recruits, even despite the 4-12, and 4-28 record last season. Out of the 15 roster spots, six people who were on the team last year won't be on the team next year, and we are waiting. We are still waiting on L. Ellis' decision on whether or not he is coming back. With the addition of Sky Clark, Trent Flowers, Tristan Flowers, Dennis Evans, Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, and Coron Davis. this little team looks to be vastly different next season. No shit. There will be no better time now to be a little Cardinal, and it seems Jalen Shelley is on track to become one. So, that's the end of the article. So, I really believe Jalen Shelley is ours to lose right now. Obviously, if you listen to the experts, Arkansas's recruiting them. I'm sure Houston's going to get involved with them eventually. Um, some SEC. And other Texas schools would be involved with him. Now, I'm going to talk about two other uh, recruits here. Caleb Love, obviously, a a polarizing figure. Played in North Carolina last year. He announced the other day he would be be also in the portal. And Kramer Freight put another article out. Now, let's read this. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on Caleb Love in a minute. So, as my phone buzzes. Louisville basketball. Why Caleb Lamb will make a great Cardinal. Bye, Cameron Freak. 17 hours. For Cameron, do you ever sleep, my man? <laughs> do you ever sleep? As of 4 p.m. this Monday, as so I take a drink real quick, North Carolina guard Caleb Love has officially entered his name in the transfer portal. North Carolina Caleb Love will transfer per his IG page. There's a picture well on Twitter. Coming out of high school, Caleb was one of the most coveted prospects in the class of 2020. According to 24-7's Kapanza Reigns, he was a consistent five-star recruit and a top 15 player in the nation, as well as the number one state, number one prospect in the state of Missouri, St. Louis, obviously. In late 2019, he committed to the North Carolina soon after an official visit to the university. Chris Mack was able to get such a highly talented player on campus amidst the IARP club, but was unable to secure a commitment from the St. Louis product. Let's talk about Chris Mack here real quick, and I'm going to get back to the article. I'm not a big fan. I I'll make this clear. I support Chris Mack as the coach of the University of Louisville. I thought he, he got a raw deal, man. I mean I, I mean came in the cloud overhanging. It was hard from recruit, but he he did get guys on campus. But he kept missing on guys. Kept missing on guys. Kept missing on guys. And another thing I didn't like about him was you know this whole if you if I, I talked about last week when I gave a little episode on the recruiting week that Louisville had two weeks ago when they landed three five star recruits in a week the thing that really bothered me was what he said on on the uh, state i think it was the phil 68 podcast or something like that with you know his, his buddy his a uh, good old buddy jeff goodman aka marble mouse Mouth, and um, he, he was talking about how you know you know you know i you know i don't want you know I, I can't remember the quote exactly but he said something to the lines of you know i don't want to quote quote him but it was more of like um you know, they say the grass is green on the other side. I might, I didn't say no, I want learn that the hard way, but whatever. Talking about him leaving Xavier for Louisville, well, why would he not want to live for Louisville? I mean, you listen to that press conference with his little his lion little ass said right through his teeth about how he grew up a fan of Louisville. His favorite player was Purvis Ellison. You know, he's from the Cincinnati area, so he knows the rivalry real well. All this other hokey bullshit that came out of his mouth. Chris Mack is fake. Chris Mack is faker than a $3 bill. And I learned it the hard way, being a fan. I hope he goes and gets another coach somewhere. And I hope he achieves well. Until he comes to Louisville, hope Louisville kicks his ass, and I mean that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Now, I just want to address that real quick. So, back to the article. It's encouraged to see that Louisville's pursue him in his high school recruitment can and could reconnect, reconnect with him now that he is in the transfer portal. After three seasons Chapel Hill, Love averaged fourteen point six per game. 14.6 points per game, so it's about 15. Three and a half, 3.3 rebounds per game and 3.3 assists per game. Last season was his most impressive scoring season where he averaged 16.7 points per game. One of Louisville's top needs is a high-quality guard, and if he was able to return to his former ACC foe, he would join Sky Clark and Trenton Flowers in the backcourt with a potential run of return of L. Ellis. Other notable guards Louisville has reached out to in the portal: are Khalif Battle, Reese, Dixon Waters, and Davion McKnight. But exploring the option of Caleb Love is most definitely worth it because of the caliber of player he is. A caliber, a player of his caliber doesn't become available every day. Out of the backcourt with Sky Clark would form one of the most elite backcourts in the ACC. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Before Caleb Love committed to North Carolina, before, right, here we go. Before Caleb Love committed to North Carolina in 2019, he narrowed his top six. Top six and Louisville was one of them. nearly four years ago, Caleb Love narrated his college decision down to six schools. One of those schools was the University of Louisville. In interviews with rivals, Corey Evans – shout out to Corey Evans. He always does the big ones. He has said this about the Cardinals program. They – this is what he was talking about. This was Caleb Love on his visit. They just had – they have just said that they want to put the ball in my hands immediately, and they don't have a real point guard right now. I think they have a grad transfer, Lamar, Cable. this was – when they were going through the this is 2019 to 2020 this is when that that great Louisville team that was that last, the last so far the last great Louisville team in Louisville before the, the covid thing and the last three years have been a nightmare since then he's going to be a senior so they want for me to come in and be the that lead point guard and lead them to a national championship and that said they are going to hit, going to hit me to be a one and done and they gosh this is article okay, these advertisements keep popping up Damn it! Okay, they said they are going to help me get to be a one and done. So that is what I am intrigued about. Coming to Division One basketball program with this level time made sense that he planned on becoming a one and done player. But after three years in North Carolina, yet to declare for an NBA draft, he is planning on attending another college. When Caleb Love announces he is coming back for third season, Ch- Chat Hill, the Athletics, Brandon Marks had this to say about decision. F- uh, F-W-I-W, Just my opinion, but I think Caleb made the right decision. His Best decision. His chance to prove his draft stock to a first-round stat, submit his North Carolina legacy one time, and continue earning money via NIL deals, which is more to come. Win, win, win. Marks the cover... Marks covers the car heels for athletic and has for him to say that need to prove his draft stock for a first round status means the product on the court didn't live up to height it coming out of high school, especially because he mentioned a little would help him become a one-done player. He probably should not have came here because Chris Max development. <laughs> yeah, about that. If you need to continue he needs if he needs to continue to prove his draft stock and continue earning his money through the NIL, then one of his former friends school is his former his former school finalists would welcome him with an open arms into the fold. He would be a massive addition to his new looked Louisville team and will evaluate the guard position exponentially. Well, here's the thing, guys, and I got a guy that I've been talking to online, and on my Twitter thing, and I'm gonna look it up on my phone real quick. Actually, you know, I can just do it on my, my my. I'm just not doing my phone. I'll do it on my uh, my fancy MacBook I got, and um, i to pull this up real quick. Let's go to my messages. Uh, skip for now on the notifications. Got it. Ah, at, uh, I'm not going to put his name out there, but we we talk back and forth. He's a pretty cool guy. You know who you are. Shout out to you, my man. You're a diehard like I am. This is what I'm saying. And it, this is our messages. Message. We've been talking a little while back and forth. He says my and this is why I sent to him at 4:16 p.m. So let right, just this is 16 minutes after uh it was official that he was going this was Caleb was going to the portal. My man, this is for me. My man Caleb Love should be a high priority now for Louisville high in caps. He says could be, but I wouldn't go for him though. I said my explain and he pulled up his stats. And this way says 2022. This is I'm going to go from 2021 the start from his freshman year, 2020-2021. He played 29 games, 27 minutes per game. Field goal percentage, 31%. Three-point percentage, 26%. 80% from the three-throw line, two rebounds, two, three assists, 1.2 steals per game. A personal fouls, 2.1%. And turnovers, 3.1%. His second year, with the, the, the run of the National title game, 34 minutes a game. 37% from the field, 36% from three-point range, 86% from field goal, uh, from the free throw line, 3.4 from rebounds, 3.6 from assists, uh 0.9 on steal. He's not even average a steal per game. Personal fouls 1.7, turnovers 2.7, and then last year. 33 games he played last year, 35.8 on his minutes, 37.8 field goal percentage, 29.9% from three-point range, 76% from the free throw line. three Almost four rebounds per game, almost three assists per game, a steal per game, two fouls per game, and two and a half turnovers. And, he, and this is what the guy said to me in the message. He's not terrible, but he's not, but not a player Louisville needs if he wants to win. And I said, you're probably right to be honest. Plus, the turbo are pretty much the same, so that's not good. Exactly. If you played around 20 minutes, that would look way worse. So... And I also respond with now he was a main ball hitter like L was last year. Then yeah, I get it, okay, but I agree with you. We may need to back off a bit. So to be honest, so here's my thing: If Caleb Love can come in and Ken, and Kenny Payne can figure out and get those efficient ratings up, and maybe Love had a lot of pressure on him, he felt like he didn't deliver, and maybe that happened. Now, do I think he's worth talking to? Absolutely, I think he can play. I think Caleb Love is a really good player, but I just think that that worries me. You know, L Ellis was not. I wouldn't say L. Ellis was inefficient, but L. Ellis did turn the ball over a lot last year, and it was because he was a primary ball handler, which wasn't his fault. It was, you know, it was the situation Louisville was in that Kenny Payne walked into. So, Caleb Love would be a good ball ha- I think he would be really good. I think also being the ball being shared in his hands differently, I personally think it wouldn't be a bad idea. But then again, those numbers do concern me. So, if they pass on, they pass on. I'm not mad at him for it. But if he want, if he's interested and they're interested, why not at this point? But I do think him being from St. Louis, I think Missouri would probably be the, the thing for him to go home to. Maybe he'll go back home. Maybe he'll go somewhere closer. Maybe he'll go to Kansas. Maybe he'll go somewhere. I don't know. But here's a guy yesterday that he's announced in the portal, and they are saying there are two schools that are going to be the head honchos for this guy. Kenyon Menfield And the two schools are Alabama and Louisville And hit the article by Cameron Frank Again, my man Cameron, round right <laughs> of applause for you, my buddy You just keep hitting these home runs of These articles, man I'm telling you guys If you want, if you are a Louisville fan And you want a reliable resource of a website BigRedLouis.com I have never found an article which I have found bullshit on Could be wrong And this was posted one minute ago well, I may Maybe, might be later than that But Cameron Frank just put this article out recently So here we go Tyler article, Washington Transform, Canyon, Minfield joins Lobos watch list. Here we go, guys. Come out of high school, Flint, Michigan native, King Young was given a three star rating and was touted the number 15 overall prospect in the state of Michigan for the class of 2022. The two biggest Division I programs that were preceding him were the Washington Huskies and the Boston College Eagles. As of Halloween in 2021, on Halloween in 2021, he committed to the University of Washington over Boston College and a few other smaller programs. During his low season the Husky, he averaged ten points per game, three point one assists, and shot forty-one percent of the floor. However, there was a stretch towards the end of the last year where he tore it up. And this is where they're talking about. Kenyon Minfield has been averaging twenty-three and a half points per game, three assists as a starter, while having a sixty-three percentage of TS. So that makes as only a freshman, a the only a freshman. So you know, as working to keep going, these are the kind of performances that led him to be named the uh, Pac-12 All-Freshman. A Pac-12 all fresh team and confirmed the fact that he so was severely under recruited, was very clear to 6.1 guard can play and now seeking to build on his impressive freshman season elsewhere as he entered his name in the NCAA portal. Um as I keep going with this article. Now it was reformed that he was coming to blame. It was rumored that this and that he was and just and now they did put this here was a red flag. Just a mere eight days ago, Kenyon Minfield confirmed he was returning to the University of Washington. Dale Ranley of the inside the Huskies report on March 20th that Minfield would return to the Huskies next season but 7 days later he would enter he entered the transfer portal. So the question becomes what happened? There is more speculation at this point, but one of the but one fan from the Seattle Washington had this to say about the program. This is from a random tweet from a fan, I don't blame Kim Info or any other player who chooses to transfer from the Washington basketball program. It's not a winner. The head coach is the hot seat is basically torched, and this hasn't been proven a style of play that is fun or successful, and it's all bad right now. I think the last great Washington tournament was the Nate Robertson, Brandon Roy team in 05, that little beat. And we're going to talk about 2005 here in a minute coming up. But what a kind of insight of into how the fans view the program and with the season that he put together last season. It is starting to make sense to why he decided to enter the transfer portal. After an impressive freshman campaign, teams from around the nation will be vying for a service. One of those teams could be the Louisville Cardinals. Right now, Louisville has a sight set on Debian, McKnight, Khalif Battle, Reese Dixon, Waters, and potential another recent addition to the portal. Cable. Now, this article we're using, when they, they put out that, that, that Louisville's looking at this guy or that guy, they're really, really, really on to it, so... Also, there's a guy I want to give a shout-out to real quick, and he has a Facebook page. He has a podcast now. I'm going to promote his shit real quick. If you hear this, my man, I'm going to give you a little love as I look it up real quick. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go right here on my Twitter account. Oh. My man, man, Marcus Brooks. Marcus Brooks, he's out on Twitter at, at im 502 Marcus. 502, and he has been the re- recruiting. Um, anytime there's a, he's always recruiting about Louisville. He's, you know, he's got a Facebook I follow. He's on Instagram. I follow him on there. But he has been on point with a lot of the things they've been saying about about getting certain guys. But give him a shout out to. He's also got a podcast at the same time, Louisville's Basketball Report, Recruiting Report. It's not a long podcast like this one. It's between 10 or 20 minutes per episode, it looks like so far. But he does a good job. Any above, and now back to the article, any above the list of guards could would be well huge additions to oppressive recruiting class that Kenny Payne seemingly put together together overnight. And like I said, Dev McKnight, Khalif Battle, Reese Dixon Waters, and cable of pr- potentially are the ones they're looking at. Now that Kenya Minfield is available, he has become a player that little fans should keep an eye on. While he is not as seasoned as other guards on the list, he could fit right into the fold of young talents that comprise the little basketball with The pass between Louisville and Kenya Minfield haven't really crossing to, uh, any times before the end of the, he was in Little Kentucky at the Grass River Showcase in 2021. But now, according to rivals, Little Carlton's like head coach, campaign staff there fully expect to reach out to former three-star recruit. The future basketball continues to get brighter. So here's the thing, guys, on that one. Here's the thing. I look at that and I just nod my head and yes, yes, yes. Because if you look at the roster right now, now there's a lot of things about, you know, there's been rumors about, the, you know, Shannon, uh, Sharan, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. I'm going to pull this name back up here, guys. Obviously, we heard about Germanian Sharp, West Kentucky big man under the portal. At first, I would say shot blocker covers the rim, yes. But problem is, man, we got a guy in you know, uh, what's his name, Evans, Dennis Evans, who's going to play the the five spot. So why would you want to bring that guy in at this point? So I don't know. So, and the guy that I've been talking to, who's been messaging me back and forth, he hears this, he knows I'm talking about him. Me and him have gone back and forth on this, and I agree with this is a guy that I I want Kay, Kayon Menfield in – in that mix I want him I want him in Louisville I want him I think he'd be a great addition I think he's a And another thing Kenny Payne's not going to go out there And try and get I think I don't think Kenny Payne wants to Get some guys With these last three scholarships He's got Just to win For a season and then get Bring another freshman class I think Kenny Payne wants to get A sophomore here Maybe get a grad transfer And then use other scholarship For a high quality junior Or a high quality senior That has an extra year Eligibility Because of the COVID thing Bring them in to build a little bit. And I think that's what he wants to do. I could be wrong, but I do like what they got. I think we need – I think menfield would be the right choice. I also believe that if you get a good shooting guard uh, who can play this two and a three and can stretch the floor out, be a a guy that the ball gets doubled down low with Hatfield and Trainer and these guys, and Evans, they can kick it out and he's got a splash three. And I think they need another big. I still believe you need another big. I think Okafor is going to play well. I think Evans is going to play well. I love Trainer and I like Huntley. I just think you need to add another one. Now, here's the thing about L. Ellis that makes me wonder: Is L. Ellis going to come back? L. Ellis said that he believes that if he does not do to go pro, he will come back to Louisville. That was right before his seat. It was on senior day. Right before his senior day, and I mean this. If you really believe after what I saw, that article I read, that he really that statement he made on Tipton Ed is about how he's gonna go pro and everything else, I really can see L Ellis coming back and then Kenny Payne say, Well, you know what, L, you might have to go somewhere. I could see it happening. Now, would I like to see LL's come back? Absolutely. I think LL he gives us a scoring option, another ball handler, and they take the ball out of his hands and he can come he can play off ball. I think it would be nice to watch. But I like what they got so far. I like what Kenny Payne's doing. It's a lot better than last year. I mean, compared to the three guys he brought in, to the three guys he's got now with that you know, within a week, Kenny Payne had a top five recruiting class in the country. Within 10 days, had a top five recruiting class in the country coming in next year. I mean, that says a lot about the guy. The guy can recruit, he knows his relationships, he's got the worldwide West connections with the Knicks, he's got connections, and, and he had an issue. I guarantee you, Kenny Payne. If they the 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 ruling that came down the middle of the summer last summer, Kenny Payne would have got some guys in the roster. Would looked a lot different. He would have. So it is what it is, man. I'm gonna leave it to this note. Let Kenny Payne do his work, y'all. Let him do his work. Now let's talk about some anniversaries. And it brought to my attention that 18 years ago, a certain thing happened in 2005. The first great Louisville team I remember. The 2005 Final Four team. I saw on KY, KY35 KY Sports, they posted the, the picture of it. They posted the game footage of the West Virginia game in the Elite Eight. And I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to give you a little memory. I don't remember much. I can't remember what I did yesterday. I can't remember what I did three days ago most of the time. But I can remember what I did ten years ago. I remember watching the game with my dad. It was me and my dad and my brother Jalen. We were sitting down. All right. And here in Indianapolis, we're sitting at our house. I remember watching the whole game, and Louisville got down twenty. I remember Dad. I remember Dad kept saying, "It ain't enough. It ain't enough. It ain't enough." They're not putting them away, and i not putting them away. And I didn't understand it. When you're in the fifth grade, you don't catch catch these things. And I remember, you know, I remember just Larry O'Bannon getting hot, Tyquan getting hot. And I remember Cisco fouling out of the game, but I remember Otis George giving us some good minutes, and Palacios coming alive on the glass. And I just remember going to overtime, and I remember the call at the end of the game. Goes, say, I can't remember, it was it Nance? Who made the call? My God. But I remember the exact word. He goes, well, Final Four, say hello to your old friend. The Louisville Cardinals are going to the Final Four. And it, I've got a smile on my face right now as I talk about it. It's the first great. That was the season. That was I remember bits and pieces of the late 90s. I mean, I was born in 93, so you do the math how old I am. And, um... I remember, you know, the 2000, 2001, I remember two thousand two a little bit, two thousand three a little bit, but 05 was really when I remember. I remember the Memphis game at Freedom Hall, where Bertino pulled a starter, uh, pulled, pulled a starters in the middle of the, in the first half and didn't play anybody. We got to beat by twenty. I remember the game at the at the, uh, the Conference USA championship game. You know, Washington sitting there strutting his shit. Going one or three from the free hitting uh missing two out of three free throws, the free throw line <laughs> that cost him the game. And Kyle prayed not giving Louisville a little, little bit of credit like he normally does and you know, took and said, This is all we have right here, this is all we got. I remember like it yesterday. I remember getting through Louisiana Lafayette, which was a tough game, and dad told me it'd be the toughest game to play all the tournament. They go to the second round, they they kicked the hell out of uh, they beat the shit out of fucking Georgia Tech. Take down our number one seed, the uh Washington Huskies. And then they ran to West Virginia, who beat Wake Forest get there and a couple other squads, obviously. I remember going to overtime and just – I remember just being – I remember that night thinking i never been – I felt the adrenaline in my life where it was like, oh, my God, like this is amazing. And I remember looking – and then later that night, obviously, Arizona and Illinois had their classic overtime game. So back-to-back – in the pit in Albuquerque and in the Rosemont Horizon Chicago, two of the greatest lead Eight games in history happened. So I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I always remember. That, that old 05 team didn't have a lot of talent. I mean, they had Francisco Garcia who was a great who was a great little player. Ty Quondin was a sharp shirt. Larry O'Banion, 34, could do it all. Man, a solid guard, physical, strong. Ellis Miles, I mean, my little brother's name is Ellis Miles Green. I mean, he was named after Ellis Miles. Ellis Miles was a heart and soul of that Louisville team, played his ass off. Juan Diego Palacios was really the first big Louisville recruit that Patino got. When it came to rate rankings and shit, Palacios was a hell of a player. I mean, Palacios, I mean, his freshman year was really good. And, you know, he had guys like Otis George who was tough. He had Brandon Jenkins who can get up and guard you. I mean, he had guys. Rick had guys on that team that can play. If I'm missing people, please remind me. As you listen to this, but L5 team was special. And, I mean, they got beat by Illinois in the Final Four, but it is what it is, man. I mean, who Louisville, Louisville ain't got nothing to be ashamed about. 30 win season, the last year they were in the Conference USA, and it was just a great time to be a Louisville fan. Going in the Final Four was awesome. I mean, it was a scrappy team. They had a lot of ability, man, and played hard and physically and tough. It is what it is. Now, what's the other anniversary we're going to talk about today? I'm not going to be able to put a podcast on the exact date. so we're going to talk about it right here and right now. 2013, you damn right it happened. I get emotional thinking about it. Because from 2012 to 2015 was some of the greatest years of my life as a little fan. I mean, look, guys, I know the history, and I know how great it was. We were the team of the 80s. Let's, let's be honest. It wasn't North Carolina. It was, it was us. We were the team of the 80s. It was, it was facts. It wasn't Indiana. It wasn't Duke. It wasn't Houston, it wasn't Georgetown, it wasn't Syracuse, it wasn't Villanova. I'm just naming off teams that were powerhouses in the 80s. Louisville was a team in the 80s. And it's not even close they were. You cannot name me one program. We had six final fours, two national championships. I think we had more wins than anybody. I mean, I mean, can we can we go on the list of things we did? I mean, I'm sorry. We had what was it four final fours? I apologize. Then he took us to six final fours. I apologize. Four final fours in the eighties. Two national champions in the eighties. I apologize. He got two into the seventies. I apologize. My head hurts. Um, and it, I didn't see all that, but I knew the history of it because of what my dad told me growing up in this shit. And then you know, of course, you know, 05, I remember 06 was the year once we the Big East. And, you know, first year in that conference screwed up a little bit. Got to the NIT. But we also lost a lot that team, too. Then you turn around with... <clears throat> excuse me. Then you know your junior... And then 07 and 08 was back to... Uh, 07 was... You know, they got to the second round. Got beat by an AM at Rupp Arena. Against A.C. Law. And who was the other guard for them? Please, please. I can't remember. Ever so had 30 that night in the second round. I remember the first round game against the Lopez Wins Earl Clark had a dunk over the... Uh, Stanford it was pretty badass. Then, of course, you know, 08... Went to the Elite Eight against uh went to the Elite Eight against North Carolina, played North Carolina tough that night, gave them all they had, and just got beat by Hansborough on the crew. Then the 09 debacle. a wire real quick. The worst loss I've ever had. There's only one loss that's on par with it. And it's not even a basketball loss. It's Clemson versus Louisville, the Lamar Deschan game at Death Valley. The Sunday night special, Saturday night special. That to me, that to me, the only loss that's worse than that is that 09 team get beat by Michigan State in the lead day here downtown, here in Indy. Every time I look at the Lucas Oil State and that up, it's not about the Kevin Ware breaking his leg and we kicking Duke's ass. It's not about, you know, us laying an egg against fucking Kentucky in the second half. It's the 09, the 09 loss. there's no, you cannot tell me. The overall number one scene in that tournament. You cannot tell me that we weren't 10 points better than Michigan State. You can't tell me that? I really, really believe, I really believe somebody had to be paid or something. I'm not discrediting Michigan State. Well, you know what? Fuck it, I am. I am going to discredit. There's no way in hell that Louisville, the way they were playing, the way they were they rolled into that tournament, there's no way in hell that that game was not something. Somebody bought T. Will or Andre McGee on Fuck Andre McGee. Part of my life, ugh, that fucking name. I hate Stan Andre McGee. I'll make sure I never mention his name again on here. But t- somebody had to tell. T. Will didn't play well that game. Solskjaer didn't play well that game. Jerry Smith had a bat. It was just something was off that day. And unfortunately, yeah, it cost us. Then 2010, 2011, back-to-back first round of X's. And that's when I became... Very angry at Rick Bettino and I was kinda fed up because I saw what Kyle Perry was doing it down there at Kentucky, and I just was not in a good mood about it. And you know. And, and then, you know, of course, you know, twenty twelve happens and um twenty twelve happens and of course, you know, um, I uh, can't even get the words. Twenty twelve, you know, they had some interest throughout the year, and then of course they get to the final four that year, going to be by a really talented Kentucky team. Then twenty thirteen happens next year, we win a national title. Twenty fourteen, Sweet sixteen. Twenty fifteen, uh, lead eight, and then all of a sudden we're back to the, we're back to this bullshit we've been dealing with since then. And twenty thirteen, I can't tell you this. I'm going to say this again. For all the people out there that want to say, you cheated, you had this, you did this, bro. I'll tell you something. Prostitutes, strippers, wherever the fuck you want to call it, I mean, it's, it ain't going to help Peyton Siva make a, a alley pass to Montrezl Harrell. It ain't going to help Gorgie Jane come over on a weak side to help block a shot. It ain't going to help Shane Mohan on offensive rebound. It ain't going to help Luke Hancock shoot a three-point shot. It ain't going to help this guy make this. It ain't going to help this guy get that. It ain't going to help this guy get that. I'm going to make it real clear to every single one of y'all. Louisville won that national championship. Trey Burke, you know, the best player in the country. He got outplayed in the second half by Peyton Siva. Wichita State, Carl Haar, Ron Baker, Fred Van Fleet, that crew of guys. Claire Anthony Analy, great team. Got their handle, got handled in the Final Four. Let's go back. In the lead Eight, they just boom you, as Mike Krzyzewski said. We whooped Dukes after what happened with Kevin Ware. God, I'm glad he's able to walk today after that. Oregon tough team Sweet 16 Handle that ass Colorado State The best rebounding team In the country They said we handle that ass First round team Who the hell would be In the first round It don't matter We took care of that ass Do we want to talk about The Big East final The run Was it 43-17 Or 47-13 run Which one was I can't remember Won an title. I mean, I got a DVD and I got a t shirt in there that tells me that they won a I got a uh, Legends Never Die memorial pack that has 1980, 1986, 2013 on it. I want these to like them. If hey, if, they, if, they, if that does, didn't happen, come knock on my door in CAA. I'll tell you, go fuck yourself. Come get this motherfucker then. I dare you. <laughs> Plain and simple. And. I'm glad that they got honored at the Clipson game this past off this past season. I hope Rick comes back to Louisville one day. Just I hope after he retires from St. John's, he turns that program around and he's gonna get his guys. So it's gonna happen. That yeah, we get this program right and if things change. I really do. And that's a fact. That is a fact. I want those days back with where, where Kenny, I want Kenny Payne to recruit and play the same styles as Rick and Denny mixed together. But with his style, guys, physical, long, you know, play with size, skipping him down, that's the style I want. I want that at Louisville. And it's going to happen again because I believe in Kenny Payne. I believe in the staff he's got. And people's recruits said, look at the staff they got. Look at the facilities we got. I know I ain't a big fan of Jay Williams and his fucking apologetic ass because every time Jay Williams opens his mouth, it's always you shouldn't say that about somebody. That's kind of wrong to say that and everything else. But he did say something about that. A little fancy, be patient. Anyway, and all by the way, all this, all this in this whole little uh, shabazz about the media all of a sudden being on Kenny Payne's side. Well, he's doing a great job in recruiting portals. You know, seems what happens when as my birds chirp in the background. It seems, um, you know, oh, he's doing a great job and, you know, recruiting. It happens when, you you know, you don't have the, the sanctions of the clouds or the inside of head. No shit. We were trying to tell you all this. And I'm not arguing with those folks anymore. I'm not arguing with anybody on Twitter. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. Some of y'all are wrong. Some of them are right. Some of y'all are wrong. Some of them are right. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to get up and shut my door real quick. Excuse me. But back as I'm back, it's it's always the, it's always somebody. that has got to be negative. There's this guy on Twitter, fucking Al. I talked about him last week, I think, or the week before. I can't remember. But he was talking about you know, hopefully you know, it's been real quiet. Hopefully it doesn't strike out. You realize every day there's players dropping in the portal. They're gonna get. They're gonna fill this roster out. They're not gonna walk in and say, "Okay, we got three rush spots. Let's give them to some walk-ons." No, they're gonna get a good, solid player here, a good player here, and a good player here. They're gonna get guys. And people continuously just want to be fucking negative about everything. I really feel that some people just don't want Kenny Payne there. Some people are willing to say, "Well, you know, last year the average attendance was over sixty-three hundred people at a Louisville game. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing." But like I said before, and I'll say it again, the same people that are crying and bitching and moaning about the tickets, when they start winning games and y'all show up, and I go to the UM Center and I see some of y'all, I'm walking, we're walking out beating top 10 teams, beating top 25 teams, beating top 5 teams in the country. I'm walking, I said, where was y'all at when this whole thing was talking? I thought Kenny Payne was going to be turning around. Thought he was going to turn around. I'm going to be screaming top of the lungs, and if anybody wants to fight about it, we can get it on because ain't nobody whooping my ass. Yeah, I'm fired up talking about it. I'm so sick of this shit. Rick Bettino ain't walking through that door no more. Denny Crum is not walking through that door no more. You mean, Chris Mack, for the love of God, ain't walking through that door, thank God. So you need to let Kenny Payne do his job. The glory days will come back. you got to let him get his guys in. The guy can't recruit. He proved in Kentucky can recruit. Well, they only won one national talent, they got. Okay. Would you rather take the one talent right now, the one title right now, over what we got right now, just to brag about that? My thoughts exactly. 2013 was special. 20- 2005 was special. Are they the greatest teams in global history? No, I think the 86 team is the greatest team to ever win a title. And I think the 80, what year was it? The 83 team that got beat by Houston in the semifinal, that's the greatest Louisville team that never won it. So, in 81, obviously 80, 82. 81 was pretty good as well. 82 was really good. I mean, any team in the 80s really could be looking like, yeah, they could have won it all. Yeah. <sighs> I had to get off my chest. So, in the meantime... In the meantime, we got to talk a little AEW drama. And trust me, y'all, I do not want to talk about this crap, man. I came on here today to be positive and full of energy on the podcast. Make sure I go over my notes today. Make sure I'm not forgetting anything before I go on to the next subject. Oh, oh, yes, I do. I forgot other thing. Also, shout out to Peyton Siva the other night for uh, hosting, helping out with the whole with the whole uh, thing about uh, excuse me with him doing the whole thing at that bar watch for the game to watch to promote things also really good on Aiden McCool a walk-on from Louisville last year Mike James and J.J. Trent two Louisville starters basically coming there and helping out I um, supporting things I like that as well Um, I will state this before I'm I'm looking at this picture right now of these guys and I love the brotherhood I love that Siva's helping out more I love that he's back we I love that we get these guys. Now let's talk about trainer and Mike James for a second. Here's my thought process. I think JJ Trainer is one that can be the one of the best offensive rebounders, not in the ACC, but in the country with his length and his long tenacity on the glass he has. I think J.J. has – and J.J. got the best out. I think him and the guy we're talking about, Mike James, were the got the better as the season went on. They got better and better. Mike James was a wing coming out of high school, playing the wing and power four position, had to learn to play the two-guard spot. And by the end of the year, Mike James was looking damn good. Now, do I can I see Mike James going back to his natural position to the three? Possibly, I possibly can see it. Do I possibly see a lineup of Sky Clark, Mike James, Trent Flowers, JJ, and Huntley? Yeah. Do I see Evans and Huntley playing up front with trainers? Trainer possibly at the wing. Yeah, and James playing the two. Or I, I can see them going in the lineup where Mike is playing. If they get another guard to go along with Clark, which they will, like a Cliff Battle. You could play Clark, Khalif, Battle, or McKnight and Clark or whatever, and put Mike James at the three. Either way, and that's what I was trying to say about getting Penny. There are a Q, there are a Q, There are a few guys there right now that they got that you can segue in with different lineups. Kenny Payne wants to play 6'3, 6'4, 6'5 in point. He wants to play 6'4 to 6'6 to two guards, 6'6 to 6'8 wings. 6'7 to 6'9, 10 on the power forward. He wants to get 6'9 and 7 feet on the block at the center. He wants to be that that the size spread out. He doesn't want small guard here, small guard here, solid, smaller mid side wing, solid power forward, and big here. He doesn't want to play that way. You can only do that with certain teams. I mean, Rick did it for a long time, but Rick also was a great, was Rick always had a diamond and rough in the group, too. Always had that as well. So yeah. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm so irritated, man. The, it's just, it's frustrating because I know what's gonna happen, and I know what's gonna happen, and I know he's gonna turn this program around. It's coming. We just gotta be patient. The players come involved. I was there at Louisville Live last year. The crowd that was there, and Trenton Flowers was there. Flowers was here, there, and Carter Bryant. They both were there with somebody else. I can't remember who they were, but they were all three there. And I remember thinking, "There's a future right there. There's what they want." And they got flowers. Carter Bryant we don't know and the other one I can't remember but hopefully something happens so as I segue off this I just let, I'm just want i going to go with the Lamar Jackson thing here in a minute talk about Lamar and then we're going to get off the sports subject we're going to talk about some rasts before we end this program today the Lamar Jackson situation three years 133 guaranteed is what Lamar Jackson was offered from the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar says no five years 200 million is what I want Baltimore's not giving that man his money. March, and then it came out yesterday. I was sitting at Wings Etc. off Emerson Avenue here in Indianapolis, Beach Grove area. By the way, good wings, by the way. Wings Etc. is very underrated. We talk about the Hooters, Wingstop, and B-dubs. We need to throw Wings Etc. in there. Wings Etc. has got some good wings. And then I hear. And then I read about. Lamar asked for a trade on March 2nd. And he came out and talked about what was going on. He want he didn't want to be he does not want to be a Raven. and wants to be wrong. Can we just sit there and you hear the NFL players cry and bitch about the money and the guarantees? Do me a favor. You go to a collective bargaining agreement. Make a point to get rid of the franchise tag. You look at the NBA thing. They can match in like a for example a rookie. Say for example, okay. Um, uh, Benedict uh, Tyler, Tyler Hillebert for the Pacers. His deal is coming up. Say the Pacers don't want to give him what he's offered. And he goes to say Atlanta. And Atlanta offers him a, a, four, a four or five year deal worth $150 $160 million. The Pacers have the right, since they own his rookie rights, to match that. Why do They don't have a franchise tender. They can make a qualifying offer for him if there's no offers out there. But that's about it. So why, and I mean this, why in the living hell would anybody, anybody, want to have a franchise tag on it? Look what happened to Earl Thomas. Look what happened to Dak Prescott. Now, Dak Prescott did get his money because Jerry, I think Jerry had no choice. He had to give him his money. Jalen Hurts is about to get paid, obviously. Pat Mahomes, I mean, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're both going to get paid. Baltimore should have got this deal done two or three years ago. If they really wanted Lamar. They said they dragged their ankles and dragged their asses with this. They saw the thing happen with Dallas and Dak Prescott. You didn't think this was possible to happen with Lamar? What is so bad about Lamar Jackson? That why, why can't Lamar get a deal? The guy's won an MVP. He's won a playoff game for you. Now I know he's had some issues in the postseason, but he's won an MVP. He's won a playoff game. Look at the talent he's had around him. Outside of Mr. Sir, drop a lot, Mark fucking Andrews, who drops a lot of passes. Wouldn't name one. I take that back. Mark Andrews is a solid tight end, but he does drop a lot of passes, and it pisses me off. His offensive line is not the best. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are solid running backs, but they're nothing to brag about. His wide receivers are maybe number twos and high-quality number threes, but high-quality twos and solid threes at this point or whatever. You tell me you couldn't figure out a deal? They went out and got Raquan Smith on their damn defense, but you couldn't go get DeAndre Hopkins? You couldn't go get a Devontae Parker? I'm just throwing a name out there because he was a free agent last year, but you couldn't try and call Green Bay to see what you could get for Devontae Adams? I mean, what the fuck is... What is... I don't understand this deal, man. Or how about this Juju? He, what, You know think Juju Smith's Juju could help them out? I mean, and everybody says, well, Lamar's a running a quarterback. we number one receiver want to play with that? Yes, they would, because I'll tell you why. Because Lamar's threat ability, stint stin plays with his legs, is a wide receiver's dream. How do you think Big Ben got those, had me, how many yards would Antonio Brown with AB, would Big Ben play with where Ben would extend plays to give him the ball? Whiteouts love that shit. Look what Mahomes did for Tyreek Hill. I mean, don't give me that shit. You know damn well. I think what it is. Why is the media, every time there has something to do with Louisville, they drag us down? We had to hear all about the Iowa Caitlin thing, whatever, which I understood why. Donovan Mitchell, oh, he's too small. He does, you know, he can't win in Utah. Now he's in Cleveland, but he's in they're winning. They're top four in the East, and he's not even in the conversation for MVP race, even though he's played better than most guards in the league this year, which is kind of driving me up a fucking wall. Why is he not got an MVP race? And all this other shit. But God forbid, but man, it's like, can we get something positive? And we can't get that. It's just so damn upsetting and annoying the way the media just attacks Louisville. Like what do we do to y'all? Yes, we had a look we had a couple scandals. Yes, we're we 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 are the dirty birds. We take pride on that shit, but we don't deserve this shit. We don't deserve to watch our uh, watch one of the best players, not quarterbacks, but best players in the National Football League. 4 MVP get treated like this. Dad told me when they traded away for suit, they got suit. Dad said, watch, they'll pay suit before they pay Lamar. And son of a bitch, two weeks later they did it. I'm a Steelers fan, and I got Steelers shit over my wall. If the Steelers did this to fucking Lamar Jackson, if he was a quarterback, I would never watch the Steelers again. That is where my loyalty lies with the University of Louisville. I have sat back and watched him play for the Ravens, an arch rival of the Steelers, and I root for him and want him to win. Even though if they play the Steelers, like I've said, I want Lamar to have 500 yards of offense and have a great game, but I want the Steelers to win. But I guarantee this, I've I've not bought a single Ravens shirt or anything else because I've held up because you know what? He's gonna play the rest, like whatever. Now he becomes a cult. As much as I don't want to see him in blue and white, I'll buy a jersey. a Vikings, like, there's been some rumors about Minnesota possibly. Or Atlanta. I'd love to see him in Atlanta because Lamar looks good in red and black. But I'm like, why won't Lamar <laughs> like, why? My God, like why would you not pay? You couldn't get this guy. How about, why could not call Lamar and say, Lamar, how about a five year deal, $230 million, 193 guaranteed? Lamar was sign that. You give the man three years, 133, 30, fully guaranteed. Three year deal, you can't give the guy a five year deal. He's your quarterback. You trade up in the first round to get him. That's okay. Let him, the problem is now, next two seasons, Lamar can get franchised, not play a lick, and he'll be out of the fucking league. It's just so fucking unfortunate, man, because the guy that was electrifying a former Heisman in football, won a lot of big games, played a lot of big games, former MVP, the most electrifying man with the ball in his hands when it comes to running the football the league has ever seen. That includes Michael Vick. And he's not even. He's being talked about in this offseason in a negative light. I'm tired of it. I mean, this fuck the Baltimore Ravens and I mean that so as we close up today's show I got a little bit of a syndrome to talk about CM Punk and AEW here we fucking go so so let's talk about this post and it's online And everybody has seen it. There has been a rumor. Every time we hear a rumor that Punk is is coming back, he's on his way back, you know, we hear rumors. Dave Meltzer reported that he would have to come back and he would have to apologize for something and everything else, whatever, right? And Meltzer reported this, and this is what Punk put on his Instagram that he later deleted. We're going to talk about this in a minute. CM Punk sigh that's what he says on the Instagram I wasn't clear to come back to wrestle yet then the plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky Rocky 3 idea I explained to him how i had never seen a Rocky movie I find that astonishing that's one of my favorite franchises and I thought the idea sucked but if the boss wanted to do it, do it whatever he said he said he wouldn't lose to me I'd never experienced someone refusing to lose to me I just laughed I asked Tony if this is what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss. I said, okay. I need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could just be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared first. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Jericho, Chris Jericho, is a liar and a stooge. There were plans, but plans always change. But I will never put a company above my health ever again. So, once You know, I tell myself, I'm going to come on here and talk really, really good about, you know. I'm going to talk about the really good things about AEW. And plain and simple. Of course, we all heard what Punk had to say. If that is true... First off, Rocky Three Mox don't realize this. When he came out the night and all out, he had the booboo face on. Like, he knew he was doing the job. He didn't want to do the job to Punk. Here's another thing about Mox. Do you know Rocky Three was actually built up like, and I don't think you understand this. Clever Lang called Rocky out, talked about his wife, all this other shit. Whooped his ass in a match that was built up to sell pay-per-views. Then Rocky had to go train with Apollo Creed to get his win back. Against Clever Lang. And if you go back and watch that that fight, they had a slugfest. And the only thing helping Rocky from falling down after he knocked Clever Lang on his ass was the ropes. So, let's go promote this to All Out. Let's go all the way and just throw it out there on TV. Instead, what they could have done, what I would have done if you are going to promote the Rocky Three, Moxley beats Punk in Chicago soundly, profoundly. Punk leaves... If he is injured, to go fucking get his thing figured out, and then he comes back at full gear, fresh, rejuvenated, or maybe he returns a Dynamite Grand Slam, the, the second one in in, in, um, in Queens. He comes back and he announced, I'm going to kick your ass at full gear. We're going to do this my way. I wasn't 100%. I'm 100% now. Let's go. And then Moxley gets the belt back from, full, from, um, from Moxley. Punk gets the belt back from Moxley. And then, of course, MJF gets the belt. And Jeff gets his run like everybody thought he would. I came on here. I was going to do a show talking about AEW. Because I thought their Dynamite show two weeks ago was one of the best shows they had done in recent memory. I thought it was great. From the opening of the Four Pillars to the main event, everything fell in place. Then I get a text message from a buddy of mine who I will not mention. He sent me a picture of the whole... What's this? The Vicano or whatever match with Kenny Omega. And it was literally the, like, everybody's like, look at the athleticism. And these moves are great and everything else. And everything else. I said, yeah, it's the same shit I see every week. Flip, flip, flip. No psychology. Forearm, forearm, forearm. Let's go through a table. Flip, flip, flip. Over the top. Flip, flip, flip. Sunset flip. Flip, flip, flip. Like, whatever. Tired of talking about it. So here's my thing about Punk. Punk is not... Everybody says Punk is a douchebag, an asshole, a piece of shit, a, a a fucking... I've heard people call him a male version of a cunt. I mean, they've said all these things about him. And I'm in the back of my mind going like, wait a minute. He's not said a word. Except for that little comment he made, that MMA commentary thing he did about how I'm going to locker room. You wouldn't want me anyway. Or Whatever. And that's what I heard. Now... John Moxley spoken on the situation, and I'm gonna read this. This is what he said, and he had a, it was called a podcast called "The Sessions" with Renee Rene, uh, Paquette, which is John Moxley's wife. And this is what he said in Ravana's w- situation. It's fucking annoying. Just because somebody says some stupid shit on social media, that's not news, but it is, and it's become a thing. I don't want to get dragged into this dumb shit. I could fucking unload on a lot of fucking people right now. When I start getting dragged the shits, this tempts me to do that. But I'm not going to fucking sink to that level. Okay, a lot of F bombs. I thought I was the only one who did that today. I will say this I'm not going to give you a tad bit of the information from my point of view. The entire summer, I was not under contract, no contract free agent. I was at SummerSlam weekend wrestling, Yell you know, desperado and shit. I could have walked in SummerSlam that night with the AEW belt and had been, and I had, had I been so inclined, nobody knew that I. That because I don't put my shit out in the world and let everybody know about my business and not under contract. Okay, I'm going to stop right here for a minute. Tony Khan, your world champion, get this, your world champion is working SummerSlam weekend in fucking Nashville against El Desperado, and you don't have under contract? If you can see me visually right now, I got my hat, I'm bending my fucking hat over my head. In a way, like, I'm squeezing the shit out of it. Are you fucking kidding me? Your world champion's not under fucking contract? Not under contract! Well, he's a, he's an independent contractor. He can do what he wants. Take the fucking belt off of him! Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, what... i uh, just... Tony Khan don't know how to manage a goddamn roster. Tony Khan is a fucking money mark at this point. My God, in continuing, the reason being, if you're curious, because I got out of rehab, because I, I got my uh, rehab, my contract's coming up, and I they extended time for me that I missed. Cool, I'm glad they did that because I didn't want to feel like I owed them anything. I extended it; it was coming up. They were talking to me about it, about it. <clears throat> I thought that five year deal that he got from what, for whatever million dollars he got, I guess Melcher was lying about that too keep telling you about Meltzer. Meltzer's full of shit. It. Melt- I think he was the one that reported it. Moxie signed a five-year deal worth like one and a half or two million dollars. Bullshit. If his contract is coming up, you do the math. 2019 to 2022, you do the math. It's three years. Fucking goof. Meltzer's so full of shit. The last that we went- one. Right, okay. For the last thing I wanted to do when I first got out of rehab, because all they were telling me was logic would tell you, don't go back and arrest wrestling because you're going to fall into the same old habits. I wanted to ease back into it, see what the life was like on the other side. The last thing I wanted to do was hurry up and sign a big time, long term deal. What the shit started going off the rails. And so that's basically what he's talking about, and and then he this is the later this is more he talks about the next article about. Okay, and then he goes. Here's more of our. Jericho Sob, sober, moxie, loved wrestling. Working his friends like Daniel Branson, blah, 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 blah. And This is his article. That being said, during this time period, that night, what's his dick is talking about talking about Punk calling him Duncan, in Minneapolis. And the night he came back and was hopping around on one foot, bumping around after me and Jericho Russell. Which talking, which we're talking about stuff. Keep in mind at this point, this is my whole point. Basically, I don't work there for all my intents and purposes. Tony is my not my boss. I don't have to be in this room. I don't have to do this shit. Even me being in this room And offering agreements To a storyline That puts you over on paper If anything I'm bent over backwards For Tony for this dude In the company It's been over I didn't have to I didn't have to do shit If anything I was bent over And over backwards That's it And that's, it's not even controversial So basically Tony Khan is allowing guys On his television program Carrying fucking belts Like this guy right here Moxley And And he didn't have to do, He didn't have to do the job So he had not sit in his right and didn't have to do the job But at the same time Didn't you know Business would happen like this You would get the belt off Like the belt would come off of you I just don't understand the logic of this shit with Mox because it's like, or Coney Khan. You didn't want to do the job to Punk. Okay, you're going to, I'm not even on the contract, I'm not getting beat. That's on Tony. Why didn't Tony sign the fucking guy or resign him? Well, I want to ease back in things. Okay, then why'd you bring him back on TV and give him a belt and shit? Whatever. His new content, this is what he's, the, the far apart. This is a, they broke this article segment segments of the podcast session, but here he goes. This new, this new, his new contract includes coaching and monitoring the roster, and Mox seems to realize he has his work cut out for him there. I don't complain, but I see good in everything, and I'm having so much fun, and life is good. I don't want to be any negative, want to, want any negative bullshit. I will say this, I hate to say it because I don't think I've ever said anything remotely negative about Ada, but I will say this as an observer. I spent eight years on the indie, a couple years in WWE's development, eight years in WWE, and I have never seen so much bullshit drama in my life in one entire place, entire fucking in one place in my entire fucking life. I hate to say it, I don't know if it's the age of social media shit's getting blown out of proportion. One person ties one stupid drunk tweet and all of a sudden it's all about what's to talk about. I'm gonna end it right here. I'm gonna make this real clear. John Moxley is an observer of talent, really. What the fuck ever. Here's my thing. Tony Khan does not know how to manage a roster. Tony Khan is way over his head. Like I've been saying for the last, since I started this podcast. Tony Khan is going to run that company into the fucking ground if he does not figure out he's got the wrong guys in charge. Jericho should not be in charge of anything. He has, he's been in the business a long time. I get it. But what Punk is saying about him, I've heard shit about Jericho. Jericho's a fucking stooge, if that's true. Meltzer is a liar. Every time he reports something, you know it's a liar. His credibility has been shot the last five years. Ever since this this new wave of PWG guys, the Joey Ryan's, the Young Bucks, all these guys, he finds a way to be so against it. He takes care of his guys. And he'll lie for them, too. Young Bucks and Mega should not be in power. And... But Tony Khan puts him as EVPs. Why couldn't Tony Khan? And Tony Khan's the head booker. Why? Here's a, here's a thing for you. Tony, you could be the head of creative. Why not sign, sign yourself two or three guys to help you? You got guys like Jake Roberts in there who has got one of the best minds in the history of the business. Arn Anderson's one of the best finished guys the last 20 years. You don't think you can come up with a good finish here and there? You couldn't put those guys in your room and sit them down and say, hey, guys, let's figure this out? Or I'll give you one. How about bringing a guy in there? like as much as Flack of Don Callis says, Don Callis has a great mind and can figure some stuff out what about Don Callis and those guys or hell what about Scott Damore who's running who's doing some great things in Impact right now why not tell Scott hey let's do a War Green and you help me write my television help me out oh by the way Ring of Honor's doing really well it's on the Honor Club now on television they're doing their, their tapings at St- Universal Studios and Ring of Honor over two hour shows and nobody knows about because Tony don't promote shit just I'm fucking irritated, man, with this whole thing. I'm so irritated with AEW because I want them to succeed. I want them to succeed. People think I don't, I do. I want them to succeed, but I'm gonna call bullshit when I see it. And I will continue to call bullshit when I see it. Plain and simple. But we're gonna end the show in the right way. It was a certain human it was a certain somebody's birthday this past week. And plain and simple, the GOAT's birthday was this past week. Happy birthday to The Undertaker. Anybody knows, The Undertaker is my, there are, my dad was always, my dad's always been my idol, my role model, but outside of him, the three people in my life that I looked up to the most growing up was Muhammad Ali, Have a portrait of him on my wall here in my office, Kobe Bryant, right across from me here in my office, and The Undertaker, which is right here on my back wall. I looked up to those three guys. Those guys were everything in my life. And Kobe obviously was killed in a plane crash. Ali's not here, so Taker's still alive. And Taker turned 58 the other day. And I was just sitting there thinking about Taker. And like, what could I do to tribute Taker? And I thought about doing a whole episode on Taker, but I thought, man, let's not do this. And I thought, man, I just got so much more to talk about. And I just want to tell you guys, I'll stick the reasons for why I think it's a celebration to talk about Taker. I mean, the guy is, if when you think WWE, he is the cornerstone of that company. That alone, for 30 years, the run he had on top, Taker, to me, is the greatest ever do it. I believe that wholeheartedly. I will stand by that. I always do. Nobody has had the the career he's had, the longevity, box office. I mean, the fuck they put... WrestleMania became... It wasn't about, for a while there, for a five or six... Almost a 10-year run until it ended ended in 2014. Nobody was talking about, okay, who's going to challenge the world... The world for the world title, WrestleMania. Well, at the world, Rumble. Who's talking about who's gonna challenge for the streak? Who's gonna try and, and undertake a streak? And it became bigger than, and I think the streak became big. Uh, just it became a big notion. Who's gonna beat Taker? Uh, who's gonna beat him at WrestleMania? And it obviously, it was Brock who did it. People debate back and forth about that, and I hate the deal. I don't think it should have happened, but I'm still shocked by what happened that night. Um, but in my opinion, man, um, you know. Taker's the greatest to ever do it, and I will always I will go to my grave believing that I, my Mount Rushmore professional wrestling is art is Taker, Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Ric Flair. That's my Mount Rushmore. I said what I said about Taker, so I added Hogan, biggest box office traction of the eighties. Uh, Hulkamania was a phenomenon. The nineties, the NWO run he had, whatever. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the a five year window, the biggest box office traction in the business I've ever seen for a five year period. Andrews cut, uh, cut him short, but his attendance and his box office, you can't argue. And Ric Flair, what can I say about Ric Flair? Do I need to say anything about Ric Flair? No, I don't. That's my Mount Rushmore professional wrestling. You can argue The Rock. You can argue Shawn Michaels, Brad Hart, uh, Triple H, Randy Savage, Bruno San Martino, Dusty Rhodes, Andre the Giant. There's a lot of, Randy, um, a lot of guys. That's my Mount Rushmore, and I'm sticking with it. And it's my opinion. What's my favorite Undertaker moment? You know what? Maybe one day I'll get on here and and discuss my favorite moments for Taker. I just want to end this note because I've been a little sour the last 20 minutes on the show, so I'm going to end it on a good note. So today, guys, once again, happy late birthday to the Undertaker and good things coming from the Louisville Cars and and Notion. Go Cards. AEW, Tony Khan, get your fucking shit together. And just remember, guys, like always, oh, before I close, John Wick Chapter 4. Usually I give him a Ruby review so you thought I would maybe give you a review on that. Don't have one this week on it. Haven't gotten to see it. Will possibly be seen this weekend. Obviously, WrestleMania weekend is coming up upon us. So, here's the plans I am going to review WrestleMania. I'm not going to be able to watch Saturday show live. I got to work. I'm not very happy about that, but I will watch Sunday's show live. So, Sunday, I'm going to get up, watch WrestleMania Sunday, the, se- no, the second night of the event, watch. And then Monday, after I take my stepson to school, I'm going to come home, work out, and watch Mania. That Monday and get a review going. And then my uh, buddy Virgil Patton is gonna come over Tuesday and we're gonna review the show, and it'll be dropping next Wednesday, the WrestleMania review. It'll be all about WrestleMania. And then, of course, uh, there is an NXT show. NXT's biggest show the year, staying delivered is gonna happen. Here's the plan Wednesday afternoon, I'm gonna morning, I'm gonna get home after going to the gym and taking once again my stepson to school. I'm gonna watch Dan Delivered and by f- I'm gonna try and get a review out, either that I'll review wa- review, watch it and go right into what reviewing it and watching it, uh, watch it and then review it on here, and I'll drop a bonus episode Friday. But I will have an update for you guys later this week. Either I'll announce it on my Instagram or my tick or my uh, my Facebook page. More than likely though, to Wednesday, wrestle review with Virgil Patton, full show, top to bottom, and we're gonna give the matches on a letter grade or whatever. So, in that being said, and also, eventually, I will plan on seeing John Wick later this week or next week or something to watch John Wick and give you a full review on that because I have been watching one, two, and three of those films, and I love those damn movies, and I really want to see chapter four so bad. So, anyway, guys, in conclusion, like always, just remember one thing. I don't bullshit. I just tell like it is straight up. Go Cards.